Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at nortonsimon.org. Support for Alaist comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, with over 200 films May 1st through 10th. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. It's Film Week on LA is 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Great to have you with us for our first Film Week of 2024. I'm joined by critics Wade Major of Synagogues.com and Andy Klein of AV Club. We begin with the Hong Kong action film The Goldfinger, written and directed by Felix Chong. Wade, please start us. Absolutely terrific. This only just released uh, in Hong Kong and in China at the end of the year. Like, it's it's worldwide, so we're getting it at the same time. Um, this is based on a real-life scandal that took place in the 1980s in Hong Kong, a stock trading scandal, a one of these massive fraud uh, events that we probably didn't hear much of here. But it begins in the 1970s, and it's, a, it's one of these cat-and-mouse things, like billions on television, right? Um, or Infernal Affairs, which was remade here as The Departed, where you've got, you know, and we, we have a little bit of this in Hong Kong history as well. The Killer is one of those. Um, but it's a cat-and-mouse thing. There's the cop, Andy Lau. There's the uh, the, the big industrialist who's, a, who's as crooked as, as they come, Tony Leung. And how over the course of 20 years... They, they go at it each other, and Andy Lau is determined to bring Tony Leung to justice, and it just keeps, it keeps running away from him. But what they do with stocks is so complicated, and yet it is made so accessible here. That's what I thought was great. It's not just watching these two amazing classic actors who don't age. Um, they're both in their 60s. It's amazing. They look like they're in their 30s. Um, but it's it's you're watching a, you're watching tour de force filmmaking, acting, and a very complicated story that is made bite sized, accessible for the audience. We're talking about the Goldfinger. It's in Mandarin and Cantonese with English subtitles. Andy, what do you think? I total agreement. I love this film. It was, for one thing, one of the lushest. Hong Kong Chinese productions I've ever seen. I mean, it is gorgeous to look at. Beautiful production design and cinematography. Uh, a little bit of tricked-up directing, you know, sort of strange flashbacks and stuff like Which that. Which were meant to be a little funny. Yeah. Yeah. And But it does make much clearer than most films about this kind of stuff. I mean, at least as clear as Wolf of Wall Street or more. Wow. The uh, How this whole scam was being run. Um, but I could watch these two guys forever, yeah. you know, and I hope to watch these two guys forever. What is it about the chemistry that just you know makes it so strong? I, I, partly it's because I think they are, you know, when you work in industries like Hong Kong, you work a lot. It's not, oh, I'll work, you know, I'll make one film a year or one film every two years. These guys are constantly working and they know each other so well. And they've, mm-hmm. you know, so there's there's a rapport, there's a comfort factor and they just kind of they they know what they do well. They know what each one of them does well. Mm-hmm. So I think that 
that that long-standing familiarity, that chemistry, it just blossoms here. It's a beautiful well, thing. Although I think this is the first time they've been reunited since the third Infernal Affairs Probably, film. probably, yeah. We're talking about the Goldfinger Hong Kong crime action film written and directed by Felix Chong. The unrated movie is available in select theaters. The Polish music documentary Piano Forte is directed by Jakub Pataktek. Uh, what did you think, Andy, of Piano Forte? Uh, it's really gripping. It's it's almost too gripping for me uh, because you have these young people. I, nobody seems to be older than 25 or so. The youngest is 17. And they're in this pressure cooker of a piano competition for three weeks. This is the International Chopin yeah, Competition. Yes, yeah, Chopin Competition. And, you know, they have to go through like uh, four or five layers to get down to the final winners. And we go backstage with a half a dozen of them in some depth, and you see the tension, you see people who really look like they're about to break down and the pressure is just enormous. Uh, interestingly, this is one of the few documentaries like this where the people they chose to follow, only one of them ended up being one of the winners. The the competition factor creates a certain amount of drama, but this is this has only happened eighteen times in a hundred years. Because they only do it every five years. Every you think five, the Olympics are every high five years because there's so much work that goes into preparing for it. But they didn't have it, you know, during World War Two. This is this was delayed a year. It would have been in uh, in twenty twenty. Pandemic delayed it to twenty twenty one. So it's only happened eighteen times in history. So it's a huge amount of pressure, and the poles are especially under pressure. I mean, the, the, because it's their country, it's their competition, because polls have always, almost always placed, you know, first, second or third. So there's, this ton, there's a ton of pressure on being in this and being Polish. The Italians bring a whole different cultural element yeah. to it. They are just loose and they're happy and they're well-rounded and they don't have any of the stress that, that the Poles and the Chinese put on themselves. It's really very interesting. And they do this competition every five years in Warsaw. It doesn't travel to other no. No. other places. No. All right. We're talking about Piano Forte, the documentary on the International Chopin Piano Competition. Uh, the film is unrated, and it's available starting next Tuesday on demand. Good Grief, a romantic comedic drama starring Daniel Levy, Ruth Nega, and Himesh Patel. The film is written and directed by Dan Levy, making his feature debut. Andy, what did you think of Good Grief? Good Grief is a good romantic melodrama. Um, it's It was curious to me because it's Dan Levy, so I kept expecting more humor than we got. And there are humorous touches throughout, but this is not a comedy by any stretch of the imagination. And he plays uh, a guy whose husband gets killed within the first 10 minutes of the film. And a year later, he discovers that his husband, that their relationship was not what he thought it was. He opens a note that was written a year earlier, the night that the husband died. And he has to go, he's been going through grieving for a year and leaning on his friends. And he suddenly realizes that he everything's been on a false premise. Uh, the complications uh, work out pretty well. Uh, 
the cast is excellent, um, and I don't have her name. Ruth Nega sort of steals the show. I mean, she's she is the comic relief here and an incredibly moving character. Uh, it's very effective for what it is. It's not really my cup of tea, but I thought it was real well done. We're talking about the romantic comedic drama Good Grief. Andy bringing it to us. It's rated R and it's streaming on Netflix. Race for Glory, Audi versus Lancia is uh, a biographical drama. Daniel Bruhl stars in the film. Stefano Mordini is the director and co-screenwriter of Race for Glory. Wade? Yeah, I'm, I'm normally a sucker for racing movies. I, I, all the way back to Le Mans and Grand Prix, you know, I, all the way, Ford versus Ferrari. I'm, I'm, I'm already in if it's a racing movie. So, <laughs> Talladega Nights? Yes. Yes. Completely. <laughs> uh, so I'm already in. Uh, it's a really interesting backstory here, which is it centers around the 1983 Rally World Championships, which is where um, Lancia is unbelievably underfinanced compared to Audi, who has just tons and tons of money, and they've developed four-wheel drive cars that just they knock it out of the park at these rally races. You have to d- go through 12 different races. It's almost a Grand Prix-style, you know, series. And uh, so the the head of the Lancia team has to figure out how are we going to take you know a, a buck fifty and stretch it and somehow come up with a a um, a two drive a traditional rear wheel drive car that can compete with the Audis on the rally. How are we going to do this? And this is basically that story. And it is it is a, a very interesting story. The racing scenes aren't as thrilling as you might hope if you if you you know if you watch something like Rush or like and Daniel well, Ferrari most recently has most great recently, racing Oh my gosh, scenes. that that conclusion to yeah, Ferrari incredible. is spectacular. Uh, the and you know Rush and and Ford versus Ferrari they all have like these really intense scenes. And Daniel Bruhl, who was in Rush, is the head of the Audi team here. So there's a little bit of a connective thing going on. But um, but even though the racing scenes don't rivet you the way they do in other films, the 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 story is actually quite interesting. And again, it's a little bit like like in the Goldfinger. It takes some very technical, gearheady stuff and makes it very accessible. You don't need to understand how carburetors work and how brake pads work to understand what they're doing to pare this car down and to get it to be competitive. So I I really quite enjoyed the story. We're talking about Race for Glory, Audi versus Lancia. Uh, Daniel Bruhl starring in the film. Stefano Mordini, the director and co-screenwriter. Uh, the film is at the Lumiere Cinema in Beverly Hills. Mayhem is a French action thriller directed by Xavier Johns, who co-wrote the screenplay. The film stars Nassim Lies. Uh, Andy, what'd you think of Mayhem? Uh, it's a good action film. He plays a kickboxer who's really awesome except he's got a criminal record and he's trying to go straight. Uh, this is a very gory action film. i got to warn people. I mean, this <laughs> yeah, is, is. There are very few guns in the film. Everything is done with knives and kickboxing. And the knives, you see more throats slit than you can imagine. And, you know, knives through people's, you know, limbs and stuff. Uh, but it's a story is he's trying to go straight and he has to help out on a drug deal to get money and he does and the drug deal goes bad and there's revenge against him and his family and they kidnap his daughter. So now he and they think he's dead and now he is just determined 
to find his daughter and get her back. It moves fast. The fight choreography was really good. I'm pretty sure it was all him. Oh, yeah. I don't think there were any stuntmen for him. And uh, if you want good, gory action, then this this is the ticket. We're talking about the French action thriller Mayhem Wade. I don't think much of the story. We've seen this before. It's a standard, you know, revenge thing. He comes out, they pull him back in, they kill his family, he goes on revenge. The whole thing. It, it, we've, it, we've been to this place so many times. There's nothing. You're, you're sitting there waiting, kind of biding your time from action scene to action scene. And the action does deliver. Uh, Xavier Jean, who directed it, is this is what he's known for? He he's he's a French action guy who makes these kinds of violent, bloody movies, and um, you know if you've seen the Raid or any of Thai kickboxing movies, the the Tony Jaw stuff, it kind yeah. of slots into that. It's the the fight is very much the fight scenes are very much like what you got in the Raid and the Raid Two. It's it's that kind of real bone crushing. Right in the middle of the yes, action. Yes, though stuff. not as good as the raid. Not films. as good, but it's in the same same class. Is there anything distinctly French about it? The language they're speaking. <laughs> That's <about>. really it. <laughs> That's really it. It's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Mayhem is the film. It's rated R in French with English subtitles. You can see it at Lemley's Glendale Theater. Occupied City is a documentary from Steve McQueen, who, of course, did 12 Years a Slave, among other narrative uh, films and television series. Uh, This tells the story of Nazi-occupied Amsterdam. Wade? Very impressive film. Just bear in mind, it is four hours and 22 minutes long, and with an intermission, you're looking at about four and a half hours. So bring bring a sack lunch. Uh, it uh, no. Steve McQueen has has gone from being you know kind of the the fine artist who very awkwardly wound up making super artsy but not very entertaining movies, to being such an accomplished filmmaker that we forgetting we, we we now forget that he was originally a fine artist. So this is this is definitely in keeping with that evolution. He uh, he has not necessarily been known as a documentarian. He will be now. Um, this is based on his wife's book. He's married to Bianca Steiter, who is a who is a, you know British and Dutch, and she wrote the book uh, Atlas of an Occupied City that that basically recounts the that in in visual style the story of Amsterdam during the the Nazi occupation, and he wanted to take that take her book and the narration from it and delve more deeply into it as a an audiovisual exploration. And what he does is really, it's not just sort of here's this history of Amsterdam during occupation, but it contrasts then and now in some very uncomfortable ways that don't necessarily have an answer to them. And uh, it, it makes you wrestle a little bit with history and how easily we forget history. And is it healthy sometimes to forget history? All of these are very, very lofty questions that aren't necessarily resolved, but they are dealt with and they are wrestled with. And uh, uh, even though it's four hours and sometimes it's a little bit of a taxing sit, um, it has some really magnificent moments in it. And a lot of footage from Amsterdam during oh, those yeah. years? Uh, it's, it's to some degree, yes. All right. Yeah. It's Occupied City from director Steve McQueen. You can see it's four-plus hours at Landmark's New Art Theater in West Los Angeles. More films to come on Film Week on L.A. at 89.3. Later this hour, I talk with Coleman Domingo, the star of the Netflix streaming film Rustin. It's Film Week on L.A.
Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Mix Mix, The Filipino Adventures of a German Jewish Boy by Boney B. Alvarez. Inspired by true events from the life of Ralph Price. After escaping Nazi Germany, a newfound tropical refuge in the Philippines is upended when Japan invades the islands. On stage through June 16th. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Support for LAS comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies, held on select Fridays in May. Each film touches upon Spanish artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro and The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Luis Buñuel. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on four consecutive Fridays starting May 10th. More information at nortonsimon.org. It's Film Week on LAS 89.3. Larry Mantle with critics Andy Klein and Wade Major. We continue with this week's films. BitConned, a documentary streaming on Netflix, directed by Brian Storkel, which takes a look at the Bitcoin boom around 2017. Andy. This is an infuriating film. Um, <laughs> it's it's a story similar to The Goldfinger, which yeah. we reviewed in the first segment. But this is a documentary, although a lot of stuff is clearly reshot. You know, there's a lot of stand-ins for people. But this is about Centra, which was uh, a scam that was launched by this absolute sociopath, this guy who should be behind bars for life, who got off with no jail time, which is part of why it's infuriating. And he and his friends, they set up this thing, and it's completely fraudulent. They set up a website for a Bitcoin uh, credit card that they're developing, and they have a picture of the card, and it says Visa and Bancorp. Bancorp and Visa never heard of these guys and hadn't approved it. And they needed somebody older-looking for to be part of it, to get confidence. So they pulled a photo of some professor off the internet (laughs) and gave him a fake name and gave him fake credentials. They all said they went to Harvard Business School. None of them did. It's not clear that any of them actually finished college. And they run this scam into the millions and millions and people are getting taken left and right before it collapses. Interestingly, at one point, it's the most satisfying thing in the film. They get a taste of their own medicine when it turns out there's some kid in the basement who scams them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that that was the one satisfying thing. But you see these guys getting a one of them gets eight years, another one gets one year, and the worst of the guys gets no time because he ratted the other two out. Bitconned is the film. Wade? Yeah, it's it, it the difference between this and the Goldfinger is that the people running the scam in the Goldfinger actually are legitimate business people. They're just crooked. These guys are fraudulent top to bottom. Not There's nothing about this that is legitimate. And, and that's what makes it so infuriating that they go to legitimate people, bankers, Korean investors, none of whom do any due diligence. The New York Times reporter who blew the lid, or is it Washington Post? It's one, New York Times. New York Times. New York Times reporter who blew the lid off of this he, all he did was some Google searching, and he was like, this is a fraud. 
clearly. He, he, he it, it took like 10 minutes of him and Google to figure out it was a fraud. So why is it that major investment people, private equity people, bankers didn't have the presence of mind? It's because they're so drunk on the idea. They, they fall in love with the idea that they're afraid to find out that it isn't real. And that really shakes your faith, your confidence in the people who are running the financial system. My only trouble with this is that the filmmakers really trick it up with recreation and the way that they shoot Ray Trapani, who's the you know the antagonist here. You know he's driving his Maserati. They get in the Maserati with him and they make him look cool driving it. And they're having a little bit too much fun with the filmmaking, and it feels as though they're falling in love more with the style than with just telling the story of what happened. So I would have preferred a more traditional documentary. We're talking about the Netflix streaming documentary, BitCon. Brian Storkel, the director, it's unrated. Ever Deadly, a music documentary which uh, takes us to uh, the life of a throat singer, Tanya Tagak. Uh, the documentary is directed by Tagak and by Chelsea McMullen. Uh, Ever Deadly, Wade. This is one of those films that I started off hating and I wound up loving. That doesn't happen often. The, the first seven and a half minutes, seven and a half minutes by the clock, is is just an a, a, a an improvised throat singing duel between uh, Tanya Tagak and another woman that it that it just goes on endlessly. It's it, it, and you you wonder what am I watching? Is where's this going to go? But then it settles into what's actually going on, and for, so that everyone understands. So Tanya Tagak is is Inuk or Inuit, and there she is part of a community which now basically administers the territory of Nunavut, which was carved out about 25 years ago from the North Territories of Canada. So Nunavut is the, the North Passage, all of that, everything that is sort of north and to the east. And it is 2 million square kilometers administered by 30,000 people. So it is very sparsely populated. It's just rock and tundra and ice and ocean and these very small communities. And the throat singing is is one of their indigenous art forms. And she has really elevated it to a point where she has backup singers and a band. And she improvises and they keep up with her. And it is haunting and it is Lynchian. And it is, it is sometimes beautiful and sometimes weird and disturbing. But then it gets folded into the history of, of the Inuk people, which, which is very, very disturbing. What her mom went through, what others went through when the Canadian government relocated them to desolate places so that they could claim the oil and gas rights and say, well, it may be above the Arctic Circle, but, you know, it's part of Canada because, look, we have people living there. And they just dropped them there without without anything, without any way of making a living. They relocated them. So a lot of the the carving out of Nunavut and uh, none of it and what is going on here is is kind of a um, it is an apology by the the nation of Canada to these people in saying what we have done to you is wrong. So we're going to now allow you to administer these two million square kilometers that have nothing on them, but at least it's yours. So there's a, there's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's something that we, you wrestle with the, the art and the history, but it is really quite a fascinating doc. The documentary Ever Deadly is unrated. It's available on demand, directed by Chelsea McMullen and by the Anuk throat singer, Tanya Tagak. 
The Bricklayer, an action thriller starring Aaron Eckhart, Nina Dobrev, and Clifton Collins Jr. It's directed by Rennie Harlan. There's a name from uh, film past. Matt Johnson and Hannah Wegg are the screenwriters. Andy, what would you think of The Bricklayer? Tell me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> An ex-CIA agent has left the agency and he's working as a bricklayer. He doesn't want to have anything to do with him, but they drag him back in because somebody he was supposed to have killed, he actually let go. And now the guy is raising hell all over the place and he's the only one who can go get him. This is by the numbers so much that this is now a subgenre, I guess, because we're <laughs> going to review another film in two minutes that is exactly the same script, except, you know, with slight variations, all the same tropes, you know, the lovable sidekick who you know is going to get killed. And, uh, you know, the former lover who is she evil or is she good? And is it the head of the CIA who's actually the rogue? Or is it the division chief right below the head of the CIA who broke? <laughs> we have seen this a million times before. Last year, I reviewed The Family Plan with Nicolas Cage and Ernie Hudson. And that was the same plot, but it was funny. And it had Nicolas Cage and Ernie Hudson, who, have, you know, who were just wonderful. This has none of that. It's got some decent action, but geez, I mean, it is so by the numbers. The bricklayer. Yeah. Yeah, it, this is look. This is a Millennium film uh, produced by Avi Lerner. If you know Avi and Millennium, they make like five, six, ten of these a year. They sell them overseas. They do very well. There's a huge market for this stuff in streaming and in, in straight to video, uh, video on demand. Uh, it, what elevates this a little bit is that yes, Rennie Harlan. He's not the guy he used to be 25 nope. years ago, but he still brings it. You know, he still knows how to stage an action scene. Yeah, but but when Even you on think a budget. of of what was it, Deep Cl Blue Sea Cliff, or Cliffhanger or Cliffhanger, uh, yeah. Long Kiss Goodnight? Is that yeah, what it was called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those I mean, were those were good. Yeah, but he doesn't have the same budget here. He's so he's kind of working on a shoestring a little bit. He's a guy for hire. Aaron Eckhart's a good actor. He does all of his own stunts and fighting here, which is very impressive. So that elevates it a little. But look, there are 22 producers, one of whom is Gerard Butler, which leads me to believe this was originally a Gerard Butler movie, and it wound up being an Aaron Eckhart movie. So that tells you a little bit about the trajectory. Um, but look, I mean, is it is it boring? No. Clifton Collins Jr. chews the scenery as well as he ever has. I think he's enjoying being a, a heavy for a change, and uh, it's a little overwrought, but I didn't. I didn't and hate it. The Bricklayer is rated R. It's at the Galaxy Mission Grove in Riverside, also available on demand. The crime drama He Went That Way stars Zachary Quinto, Jacob Alordi, and Patrick J. Adams. Jeffrey Darling directs, and the screenplay is from Evan M. Weiner. Wait, what'd you think of He Went That Way? Gosh, not much. I, I thought, what a what an odd, dumb, dull, strange, violent, nonsensical, villainous road trip movie this is. Zachary Quinto plays a uh, this, this very kind of peculiar... Uh, gentle, soft, uh, odd, eccentric guy 
who's on a road trip to do something, and he winds up picking up uh, a hitchhiker who is a total psychopath, and uh, it becomes this bizarre, violent friendship adversarial thing that goes up and down and all over the place, and throw in the fact that, oh, you know what Zachary Quinto has in the back of his van? He has a chimpanzee. That's what he's delivering. He has a chimpanzee, which is not a real chimpanzee, because now we're in the era where that would be animal abuse. No, we, we get someone in a chimp suit. Oh, no. So it winds up, yes, oh, it's it's truly, it, it. no, the chimp suit is terrible. So it just, it gets weirder and weirder, and you think, why, why was this movie ever made? And then you get to the end, and you realize, oh, it's based on a true story, allegedly. I, I don't know what to make of this movie. I did not enjoy it in the least, but it may just be eccentric enough for some people. He went that away, starring Zachary Quinto's unrated It's at the Galaxy Mission Grove Riverside, and available on demand starting now next Friday. The Painter, thriller starring Charlie Weber and Madison Bailey, John Voight's in the cast. Kamani Ray Smith directs. Brian Bucacellato is the screenwriter. Andy, what'd you think of The Painter? Stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> An ex-CIA agent has gone, has quit and changed his identity and is now living as a painter someplace in the Northwest. <laughs> There's a bricklayer he should hook up with. They could yeah, make a lot of money. It is exactly the same template as the bricklayer with some... This one, however, has an element of mayhem in it in that uh, there's a daughter. and uh, the, and But you get, again, the same tropes. You're going to get the sidekick who gets killed. You're going to get, is it the CIA boss who is uh, Tim... Tim uh, Name. Blake Nelson. Tim, Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson, thank you. Or or the section chief right below him. It is exactly the same film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they're so close that it's ridiculous and it's not as good as The Bricklayer. The Roofer is coming next, <laughs> right? right? Beware, next time you have people working on the your accountant. house, question every single one of them. They could all be CIA. The Painter is rated R. It's available on demand starting next Tuesday. Roadkill... Uh, set uh, in rural 1983, Caitlin Carmichael, Ryan Knudsen, Danielle Harris star, Warren Fast, the writer and director. Wade, start us on Roadkill. So you take, he went that way, you remove the chimp, you make them both psychopaths, and, and you make sure that one of them is a woman and you cast people who can't act at all, and you increase the body count and the blood level like uh, about 150%. That's this movie. All right, Andy. Anything to yeah, add no, to that? That's that's well. I I don't. I I would have liked this with the chimp, <laughs> but uh, no. There's not much there. Roadkill is at the Lumiere Cinema in Beverly Hills. Available on demand, and it's unrated. And uh, we should mention the documentary on Netflix, the story of Joe Lowe, a great Gatsby's type figure uh, directed by Cassius Michael Kim. Wade, briefly tell us about Man on the Run. Yeah, we covered this when it was theatrically released last year. It's on Netflix this week. Uh, and this, with the Goldfinger and Bitcoin, this is the scam that sort of leads them all, even bigger than Sam Bankman-Fried. This guy, Joe Lowe, who is still a fugitive, 
created a, a sovereign wealth scam out of Malaysia that still stands as the single, I mean, billions of dollars that were stolen from the Malaysian people. It is astonishing. And Cassius Michael Kim, who did a lot of great documentaries for CNN films, he, he nails this. This is a sensational documentary. If you have Netflix, by all means, watch it. Yeah, I remember you giving the review. It's like unbelievable Beyond the story belief. here. Beyond belief. Man on the Run, the Netflix streaming documentary is unrated. Our Film Week critics are Wade Major and Andy Klein. When we come back, I'll be talking with the star of Rustin, the Netflix streaming biopic, Coleman Domingo. Tremendous performance that he gives as Bayard Rustin. We'll talk with him when we come back on Film Week here on LAS 89.3. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. 